All right, it's Friday, June 25th, and basketball is alive and well, and so is my good friend, Wayne Webb, or as I like to call him, Wizzy Wayne. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing good, bro. I'm just chilling. Summer is here, you know, in full swing. I'm, I'm taking trips, you know, I'm getting out of the getting out of the state a little bit, so life is good, bro. You're, a, tra- you're a traveler now. Yes, call me, call me Traveling Wizzy. Call me how, Wizzy the Traveler. How about a journeyman? Kind of like in the NBA, you got the journeymans. You call me Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you're that good, dude. I'm not, but it's okay. I can dream. <laughs> so I had a thought earlier, and I thought I'd just share it and see what you think. But I think that eighth grade B team second string me is a better shooter and has more confidence than Ben Simmons. What do you think? You know what? I'm willing to second that. Actually, I'm willing to go as far as saying that if you put Ben Simmons on that team that you were on, they would have been worse. Straight up. Yeah. You made that team better, Drew. I think so. I would say even at the even at the shape I'm in now, I still think I would make them better. Oh yes. So for sure. So let's let's just jump right into that because that seems to be the main focus of of, you know, we're in the conference finals right now and we're, we're kind of jumping in in the middle of it. But let's kind of touch on what we just saw because obviously the Sixers are not in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. And in large part, that's for, for a lot of people probably due to uh, Ben Simmons. So we thought we'd have some fun here and throw out, like everybody else is doing right now, our hypothetical Ben Simmons trade. Now, according to Woj, Apparently, the Sixers and Simmons are agreeing that uh, they will work on his shooting and his skill development this summer and try to uh, bridge that gap between them. But to me, that's all kind of just smoke in the air. Like, I think the Sixers are going to be actively working at shipping him off because I don't know how much you can recover from this as a player, and especially in a town like Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. He, he got to go, bro. There's so, no way. Feels, so, all of Philly is mad. So give me yours. What What are you thinking? What is your best, um, your mm-hmm. best trade that you think might work for both sides? Okay, so number one, you sent me that little trade thing. This was the first time I ever got to really use it. So I was like sitting there, I was like, man, I don't know what to do. Like I'm just sitting here plugging players in and just hitting the go button and see what happens. I don't care. No skill, no thought process in it at all. And then as I started to like think and I was like, okay, now what would really work? Um, and I came across this post on like uh, Twitter and it had like the, the odds of the teams that Ben Simmons would go to and the odds of the teams that uh, Joel Embiid would go to, which by the way, the Rockets are like second for Joel Embiid. So I was like, oh snap, hold up behind the Blazers. So Houston, you might have a solution to your problems. Don't get me too excited. <laughs> Return of the big man in Houston. Um, Hakeem so, 2.0. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I was sitting there and I was like, you know what? What would be a good trade, not only for like both teams, but like Ben Simmons in general? Like who can help build his game? Because the man needs a jumper or at least a new mentality, at least. Like he needs a bucket mentality because the man was scared. And, you know, the Blazers, I was like, you know, he could go to the Blazers, but who would you give up? Who would you trade? Of course, I put in like T.J. McCollum, and I was like, "Yeah, he, 
running that two man, that two guard thing in the playoffs is just not going to work. And I think I mentioned that in the prior podcast, but then not to be like overly supremely biased, but I was like, yo, if there's anyone who can help Ben Simmons, it's Greg Popovich. I knew you were going to go there. Greg Popovich. You saw what Greg Popovich did with Kawhi Leonard. When Kawhi came into the league, he was straight defense, Mm. no offense. And over time he progressed that offense under Greg Popovich and then turned into this superstar that he is today. I'm not saying it's all due to Greg Popovich because Kawhi, you know, he works. But I was like, if there's any coach that can light a fire under Ben Simmons, it's Greg Popovich. It's a good I, I, I think that's a good place to be. I feel like that would be a good trade. Now now who's coming back though? So at first I just did like Ben Simmons straight up. I was like, I mean, I throw DeMar DeRozan in there. Because me personally, I think DeMar DeRozan is a you know he's a great player, but I just in the in the way the league is going, we just can't have DeMar DeRozan on the team. See, I can't. I feel like that would be fair though, because DeMar DeRozan, he actually did have a really good year. Um mm-hmm. and he's a creator, he can handle the ball himself, and most importantly, he's not afraid to shoot it. Now, yeah, uh he might be just as scared to shoot the three ball as Ben Simmons was, but he will take it occasionally. And like we saw in that, you know, one of the last possessions in the game seven versus the Hawks with Philly, that one layup that Ben Simmons turned down was like Mm -hmm. the talk of every sports platform. DeMar DeRozan would not do that. He would, he would take that contact. He would embellish it and might get an and one and might go to the free throw line. And the difference between him and Ben Simmons Ben Simmons can create contact, but you're fearful of him at the free throw line. Whereas with DeMar, he might not be the greatest shooter, but he can get to the line. I mean, a lot of people compared DeMar to Harden in terms of how many times he can get to the line and he can make them. He's a 80 plus percent free throw shooter. So I personally feel like that would be a good return, you know, maybe throwing another role player coming back to Philly. But I, I don't know. I think that would be decent for Philly and a good situation for Ben. I even went in uh I added a couple more players. So I did Ben Simmons and Seth Curry for DeMar DeRozan and Trey Lyles. Hmm. Which worked. Um what about one of those younger pieces in San Antonio? You willing to give uh, up one you of know those? What? Because I love those guys, I wasn't really like trying to give them up, but so not like a DeJounte, get- DeJounte Murray or what's that new guy that got drafted this year and he was like a breakout Oh, um, um, oh, oh, uh, Devin Vassell. Yes. I think yeah. the Spurs are going to hang on to him, though. Oh, for sure. We need to hang on to DeJounte, Devin. I mean, I would kind of be one to give up Lonnie Walker, but I just love the kid. Um, but if I had to give up anybody else other than Trey Lyles, it'd be DeJounte. I mean, it'd be um, Lonnie Walker. But, yeah, those. that's my, my trade. I don't so. think that's bad at all. And mine is different. Uh and you already mentioned them, but it's Portland. Mm-hmm. I think the the commonality between San Antonio and Portland, and I think this is an important part of wherever he might go, is that they're going to be small markets. Because Philly is a big market, huge fan base, very passionate. You kind of, in the healing of Ben Simmons, need some fan bases that are a little bit more forgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Philly is, it's like, you got one chance and then they're going to turn their backs on you. But San Antonio, very loyal fan base. 
Um, they're not, you know, super disruptive. Same for Portland, even same for a place like maybe Toronto is a good location. And I think all those teams would take chances on him. But I think going back to the Sixers for a Portland deal, would I would probably choose CJ McCollum and some sort of filler, uh, like an Anthony Simons or something to come back because yeah. I, you know, I don't think, I don't think you're going to, I think it's going to be pretty similar to like a DeMar situation. However, if you get CJ McCollum, you get the three point shooting as well. Um, and I think that's a big, and you would be asking CJ McCollum to be a, be, to be doing a lot more point guard or ball handling responsibilities. Whereas Dame has done most of that while they're in Portland. So you might consider moving somebody uh, like Shake Milton into the starting lineup and then having CJ play the two guard. I think that could work pretty well. And with Simmons going to Portland, it would look different for them, but they do have some shooters around them. And Simmons, they they were like ranked 30th in the league in defense this year. Simmons would automatically bring that up. You could play him as like a small ball five or play Mm -hmm. him at the four or take some ball handling responsibilities off of Dame. And then as far as the shooting goes, I don't have big expectations for him next year because every offseason it's like, you know, highlights of Ben Simmons shooting jumpers and then he doesn't do anything in the regular season. So until we actually see it, I think that's, you know, we're we're just going to see the same Ben Simmons. But I think him in a different role, in a different city, whether it be San Antonio or whether it be Portland or Toronto or Orlando, I think those would be good situations for the for the upward trajectory of his career. Mm-hmm. So, yep, I got you, bro. Uh, but they might make it work to where it's Sixers and nothing's going to happen. Uh, I don't think that's smart, but maybe they want to see, maybe his value is so bad right now that any trade they might want to do is just not going to happen because his value dipped in the playoffs. So maybe they want to rehab his value come the regular season and maybe before the trade deadline in the new year, they might ship him off somewhere else. So maybe that's part of their thinking too. Yeah. But Doc Rivers has a lot on his plate. And uh, man, I mean, going from the Clippers situation last year where he was the coach to now going to the Sixers situations, I feel bad for him. And I feel bad for Joel Embiid too. Uh, but they, they got some stuff to figure out in the offseason. But let's oh talk goodness. about that second round, this, the second round of the playoffs. Just give me some quick thoughts we don't have to elaborate super big on these because we want to get to the conference finals but what were what were your thoughts while we're still on that Sixers subject what were your thoughts on this hawks Sixers series that went seven games and it was you know trey young versus a uh, hobbled and bead uh for the majority of the series dude i got one thought bro ice trey like, man jeez, bro like he we took a that, jump yes and we thought that like him playing the Knicks and like, you know, beating them in five that, okay, he's here, he's arrived, but now you got to play the Sixers is a whole different beast. Right. And then for him to just step up to the plate and just completely be like, all right, I handled New York, ended it in their home, in their home stadium in Madison square garden of all places. Like this dude was just, he didn't care. And then to come over to, to Philly in another hostile environment, and embrace that villain role of like, oh, I know y'all hate me. I know y'all calling me a baby troll, a lollipop, whatever. I'm balding or whatever. That's cool. Watch me drain this three on your favorite player. And like, there's nothing you can do. He's just out there having fun. 
It so, is fun to have a villain in the league. Yes, yes, it is. Like it, it, re- it reminds me of a Reg- Reggie Miller, or it reminds me of a Dennis Rodman, where like they came in and they like they they loved the the conflict, they loved the tension, and they fed off of it, and it showed in their game. Yeah. So, um, as much as you know, we feel bad for Doc Rivers because he's in this position yet again, where he's just like you know just can't get over that hump. Um. Shout out to the Hawks, man. Shout out to Trey Really Young, impressive. Collins. Even Capella was out there hooping a bit. Kevin um, Herter. Kevin Herter. Oh, my goodness. Kevin Herter is invited to the cookout, bro. Like, straight up. <laughs> any any black function, <laughs> Kevin Herter, he, he has to pull up, bro. I think he, he wants to, to be. From three. I, I saw a thing on Bleacher Report where he did this, you know, like mock uh, uh, press conference thing where he addressed that he'd like to now be called Red Velvet. Red Velvet? Got it. Put that in basketball reference as one of his nicknames, Red Velvet. I'd actually be curious to see if it's there. I'm going to hop on that real quick and see if that's true. But you were saying you just the all-around contribution from the Hawks. Yeah. Just it came in and overpowered the Sixers. I mean, the games were good, though. Like, the games were really good. It's just it came down to who wanted it more, and, and Trey Young wanted it more. All right. I got the nicknames here for Kevin Herter and bas- basketball reference. Okay. So one of them is Kavon, K-apostrophe-V-O-N, Kavon. All right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like Steve Urkel and Stefan Urkel. Doesn't really fit him, but uh, I'll keep going. Uh, the Red Mamba. The Red Mamba. Wait, wasn't that already someone well, else's nickname? Yeah, wasn't that... Um, Scalabrini? Scalabrini. I thought... No, he was, was the White Mamba. Mamba. He was the oh, White, White Mamba. Mamba. Okay. Okay, Red Mamba. And then, and then, yes, Red Velvet is now in there too. So, man, he uh, he's making a name for himself. Literally. <laughs> but, yeah, I agree with you. The Hawks, they just, like, nobody would have expected them to be in this spot, being in the conference finals. Like, especially with the way the regular season, regular season went where they had Lloyd Pierce as their head coach, and then they turned that around, and Nate McMillan as the assistant stepped into the – head coach role and he seemed to just put all the right pieces in the right place and has even kind of redeemed Lou Williams in a way like he had some good games uh in series and you know you got to be careful with his minutes because he can only give you so much and then you got to uh play your other star players but he's just found a way to make this team click on all levels and you know for for the Sixers in this one it we we've already talked about the Simmons struggles but you know they lost Danny Green I don't think that's a huge excuse honestly at this point in Danny Green's career um but he did have some uh you know he's another shooter on the floor he's another guy who can step up on defense and maybe guard uh a Trey Young but I also just got to give props to Embiid because the guy was playing on a partially torn meniscus and was putting yeah. monster numbers uh he had his moments where he was great and he had his moments where he could definitely improve but I think also, like, I was looking for a guy like Tobias Harris to really step up in this series, especially with the money they're paying him. And mm-hmm. I just didn't see him in that, like, really even that, like, third role. Like, he just really – like, he had his first playoff game against the Wizards where he had, like, 37 points. And then he's kind of just been average ever since that point. So I was really looking for him to take off, but um, he never really did that. So – you know, I don't even think the Sixers could make that kind of trade work for a Tobias Harris because of his contract. 
um, and his age, but you might be able to do that with Simmons and his maybe potential at some point. I think the guy's like 24, 25, so he's still young. But, yeah, yeah the Hawks looking really, really good. And I'll, I'll mention this too. The Knicks, the Sixers, and the Bucks during the regular season and the playoffs, all like top five defenses. And Trey Young has just carved them apart. I mean, it's been really impressive to see. So kudos to the Hawks. Um, we'll talk about them some more when we talk about the conference finals. But how about the Clips and the Jazz? I really thought the Jazz were going to take this. And it really seemed to be the ultimate collapse from them. And I don't think we're talking enough about them. Or rather, I don't think they're getting enough slander as some of these bigger markets mm. would if a bigger market did this to where you had a 2-0 lead, uh, you gave that up, and then in, you had a chance to take it to 7, and in Game 6 you gave up a 25-point lead, and then the Clippers closed you out without Kawhi in the last two games. So I think for them, I was pretty unimpressed. And, you know, we talk about Rudy Gobert being a great defensive player, and he's won three Defensive Player of the Year awards, and... It works in the regular season, but I think you can manipulate him in the playoffs. Like it's just it's just a guard heavy ball handling, everybody needs to shoot kind of game at this point. And that can really get exposed um in the playoffs. And I think we saw a lot of that. And Donovan Mitchell was really their only hope and and you hoped that a guy like Mike Connolly would have been able to be there the whole series, but he only came in like the last game or two. Um, and didn't give them a ton. So I was pretty disappointed with the Jazz, but hopefully they can, similar to what the Clippers have done this season, kind of rehab their image. I think the Jazz are going to need to rehab their image, and we're going to be saying a lot about what we've said about Milwaukee, about nobody's cared about Milwaukee in the regular season because we've always been like, you got to show it in the playoffs um, because we've seen how you guys, you guys have collapsed. We're going to start saying that more and more about the Jazz moving forward nobody's going to care if you get the top two seed or the top one seed you're going to have to uh to show it in the playoffs so but donovan mitchell is a warrior just how i was talking about joel Embiid, uh mm -hmm. playing through injury uh just a fierce competitor can get in the lane can make clutch shots he's obviously someone you want to hang on to um i don't know exactly what the jazz need to do but i i do think they need to find some ways to adjust better come the playoffs and then the Clippers um, you know for as much flack as they received last season I really do think Tyron Tyron Lue has totally changed the dynamic of this team because he's a coach that's willing and will do it often of making adjustments for yes. the squad I was if, just not, if something's not working for the first two games he doesn't panic like they were down 0-2 uh or 2-0 rather in the first series they came back and won it they were down 2-0 in the next series came back and won it because he was willing to make adjustments so I feel like you have to give him a lot of credit um Pat Bev has came back and, and made some contributions um the Kawhi injury sucks I'll just put it frankly and the other part of it that sucks is we don't really know the details of it like yeah. we know that it's an ACL injury but we don't know to what extent. Like, is it an ACL tear? Is it an ACL strain? Because, like, I think Anthony Davis had, like, an ACL strain in the regular season, but you just have to let that heal. So we don't really know if he's going to come back, and I would venture to say 
if the Clippers are going to keep playing the way they're playing now, I think they just continue to rest him. Um, but you know what? Another guy that I've been really impressed with and is probably going to receive a decent contract this summer is Reggie Jackson. This Yo. guy, dude, he like he seems like their number two option right now behind Paul George. Like mm -hmm. he's a big guard who can shoot the three ball well. He can spot up. He can create off the dribble. And man, he's just been really impressive. I've been super impressed with him. I think I think a team is going to take a chance on him in the summer. But he's really rehabbed his image a lot too. Even a guy like Nicholas Batum, who people knew from Portland days. He got that big contract with Charlotte and then dipped from there. And then he's rehabbed his image here. So it's been really cool to see just the development and the uh you know the team camaraderie to come together in these moments you even saw some demarcus cousins moments like who, who would have thought like we'd see some of Yo, that i forgot i forgot demarcus cousins was on that team bro right i completely forgot and i saw him on the court i was like bro who, who gave him a pass who gave him a jersey like what the heck why is he here yeah you don't want to play him too much because he always gets in foul trouble and he's not the best defensively at this point in his career, but he can kind of be that popcorn guy that gives you, you know, eight points and six minutes, you know, and gives, just gives your team a boost. So uh, those are my thoughts. What are your thoughts on the Clippers jazz series? Hey man, two words, two words, playoff P oh. he has returned, bro. And I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. It's got to give him some time to work off the rust, shake off the kinks. Playoff P is back, y'all. Are we are, team? are we retiring Pandemic P? Or are we just putting it away for a moment? I think we're just going to put it away for the moment. Because you put it up in the rafters a bit, you know? It's just kind of like it's on its way up. He could put it all the way up, and we don't have to talk about it again. But we may, but we may need to get it back down, possibly. Yeah, we, <laughs> we might have to revisit Pandemic P. <laughs> but... As of right now, bro, playoff P is here, man. And he said, you know what? No Kawhi, no problem. I got y'all. Yeah. He's going out there and he's balling. So shout he, out to Paul George, man. He looks pretty good as a number one option. Yeah, he does. Finally stepping into that role and where we can't, like, clown him because he's actually putting in work. I mean, that's so. kind of what he was in Indiana when he was really first taken off. He was the number one option, went to OKC. Was I, What would you consider him in OKC? Was he the number one option or the number two behind Russ? I would say he was the number two. Because they gave him the yeah. ball a lot in OKC, and he was like third in MVP voting that year. Um, but it, I think he, he's a guy who has the ability, like we're seeing, to shine in a number one role. Yeah. So um, as far as that series goes, yeah, you were right. You're right. The the Jazz aren't getting enough like slander or criticism for how that series went. And, I mean, when you think about the Jazz – and how they've really come out of nowhere and been like, oh, snap. They weren't, you know, always this good. They were the team that was kind of like not very good, wasn't good enough to get it done, wasn't good enough to make the playoffs, all that good stuff. But now they're like making a resurgence. And so they've been in the conversation for the past, like, I don't know, three, four years. And it's always been get to this point and just dip out of nowhere. Get to this point, dip out of nowhere. And so being up 2-0 on the Clippers and then – even when the Clippers lose Kawhi, that was like the door opening. Like, hey, this is your chance. If you're going to do something, do it now. And then Rudy Gobert turned into the Autobahn, just having people just driving down the lane for no reason, just getting buckets. And he was just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm defensive player of the year. I don't know what to do. 
So, and I don't and even it, think it's necessarily his fault either. I think that kind of falls on Quinn Snyder as the coach to, oh, for to sure. maybe yeah. put in somebody that's a little bit more versatile there. And, you know, with big men, you can use them in moments. Like when, the, when the Raptors won a championship, they used Mark Gasol in certain moments, but they didn't play him the whole game. Like, I think you have to find where their minutes are going to work best versus where it's not going to work best. Like if you have all shooters in the final six minutes of a game, it might not be beneficial for him to be in there. But if you, if the other team has an inbound pass to try to take the game, you might want to put Rudy Gobert in on the inbound to, uh, to try to get, you know, a block on that or a tip to take it back the other way. But I think the adjustments weren't great for Quinn Snyder. Yeah, that's, that's true. A lot of it does fall on coaching. Um, especially when they're up two games like they were and then to just crumble like that and have it go all the way to – went to game seven, right? Get Only game uh, six, remember, because they, they were in game six and they were up tw- like 23, 25, That's right. and they blew that. Yeah. So it does fall on coaching. Um, it's kind of it tough, like, though, as a coach to to make that adjustment to your star player who – you know, you have a lot of money invested in, like, it's kind mm-hmm. of like a politics thing at that point. It's like, you know, you should, but you can't because a lot is riding on that decision. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a, a debacle right after 2-0. So, but I mean, shout out to the Clippers, shout out to Ty Lue, like you said, making adjustments. The dude makes adjustments like no other. It's crazy, man. Like just seeing all the situations they've been in, They've been down, they've been down two games, round one, round two. I'm just like, how? There's no way. There's no way you guys are gonna come back. And they do it every time. So shout out to Ty Lue, man. Shout out to Paul George, really going out there and lighting a fire on all the all the guys. And then Reggie Jackson, bro. Just mm, mm, I don't know mm. where this confidence came from. There was a shot in, I think it was the, I think it was the Jazz series, when he got like, the shot clock winding down. And he picked up his dribble and he couldn't, you know, move or anything. Nobody was open. And this man pivots, turns around, and throws up a rainbow shot. And it was nothing but net. And I was like, at that moment, Reggie Jackson has arrived. Like, he had been balling before that, but that, that moment, he arrived. There's nothing he couldn't do. Like, the man was just going on. He had the shooter's touch. He had Michael's secret stuff from, from Space Jam. And he was just letting that thing fly. So... Ray Jackson is a hooper, bro. Who did they say he looks like? Uh, Shmurda. Oh, yeah, Bobby, Bobby Shmurda. Shmurda. <laughs> Bobby Shmurda was going off. Yes, Bobby Shmurda was getting buckets, man. All right, I feel like this next one will be quick. Suns versus Nuggets. This was this was a chicken nugget wrap supreme. See what I did there, Wayne? Chicken, chicken nugget wrap supreme. But um, this series was just not... Sounds good. It, it just wasn't exciting because... I think we were expecting to see more from the Nuggets, but I honestly think the Suns were just too much to handle. Um, the Nuggets didn't have Jamal Murray. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. can only give you so much. Plus, he w- he was dealing with some back strains throughout this, um, and Jokic was really your only hope. I know Will Barton came back this series. He's kind of a bucket getter that can um, put in some points. But listen, the Suns were just way too much. They look like a great team. They're a great story. Two years ago, they were at the bottom of the league in the laughing stock of the league. And now they are uh, really at the top, looking like the best team in the playoffs right now. And, you know, we can talk about the Chris Paul absence when we get to the conference finals. But, 
you know, give it up for Devin Booker, even a guy like Cameron Payne, who uh, for a lot of us, we only knew Cameron Payne as the handshake man in OKC, but he's really stepped Mm -hmm. up and made a name for himself as a backup point guard to really contribute even in the playoffs. So he's been nice to watch. Mikel Bridges, um, another guy who is has just this ultimate length as a defensive stopper. Um, and then Jay Crowder is just a dog that you, you just want Jay Crowder on any team that's a playoff team because he's going to contribute. Um, but the Suns, they handled this quickly, and the Nugs were out. What were your thoughts on this one? Oh, yeah, just real quick. Uh it was just too much, like you said. And I think this is the series where not having Jamal Murray finally caught up with the Nuggets. And I mentioned that before. Um, that was like, I mean, the Nuggets look good right now, but not having Jamal Murray is going to catch up to them. And then I think this series is what it caught up to them. Um, and there's just nothing you can do, man. Devin Booker was just on another level. Um, and then when you pair him with DeAndre Ayton, who's been really stepping out and, Yes, I forgot to mention. We call him the 40-year-old kid (laughs) because he looks so old, but he's so young. But that man's a grown man out there getting buckets, dude. And he's efficient, Um, and he's one of those big guys, unlike Gobert, where you feel like you can keep him on the floor in crucial moments. He can move his feet well. Mm -hmm. And he can stretch the floor. He can shoot a bit, too. Yeah, yeah, he's a big man. He's going to get in the paint, but he he got a little bit of a strap on him, so you can't leave him out on the perimeter by himself. He might pull it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Nuggets, I mean, we want the Nuggets to succeed. Right. I feel like they're a very universal team as far as, like, positive vibes. And, like, you know what, we don't really have anything bad to say about the Nuggets because they've been doo-doo for so long. It's like, you know what, y'all are finally good. Let's just, like, even though you're not my favorite team, I want to see you succeed. Yeah. But I think the, the hope said, for them, the hope for them is that Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray – you know, yeah. they continue to progress. Jamal Murray gets healthy. And I really do think they're going to have a good chance and a shot at the championship over the next five years or so. Uh, so they just got to stay healthy and get back to yep. their normal selves. But the probably the best series out of all these, um, it was, I, I don't know, it was pretty close there with the Sixers, Hawks, and the Clips and Jazz. But I would say just from star power and anticipation, this Bucks net series was just something to behold. Now, I just want to get this out the way first because I don't want this to be an excuse when we're talking about it later. But the reality is the Nets were missing Kyrie Irving for the last few games because he rolled his ankle. And James Harden was not himself, and everybody could see that. He was playing on a bum hamstring, and it was really the Kevin Durant show. Um, but, you know, even guys like Joe Harris, who you expect to pour in you know, 15, 17 points and be a reliable three-point shooter could just not hit anything in this series. Um, So there was a lot of gray areas for the Nets, but they managed, despite all their injuries, to take it to seven games and give, you know, give the Bucs a lot of credit too because they were also down, I believe, 2-0 in this series to start. And they came back and tied it up in Milwaukee, brought it all the way to seven and was able to squeeze it out in Brooklyn and that game seven and man that game seven was one of the best game sevens I've ever seen and if Kevin Durant two areas 
If Kevin Durant's foot was not on the line, that would be one of the most iconic playoff shots of all time because that would have given given them the lead and then the Bucks would have had to have scored on the other end, which who knows if they would or not. And then the second one was his final shot that airballed. If he would have made that, they would have won. But It was dead on too. It was dead on, Man. but you could just tell he was gassed. I mean, yeah. he, the dude was gassed and he was doing everything for them. So I... I don't blame him for airballing it. Um, but listen, you, you do have to give the Bucks credit because they have had a lot of playoff woes in the last couple of years. And despite even the, the tough free throw shooting from Giannis and the tough shooting from Drew Holiday, who they thought was going to be uh, better, they were really resilient. They pushed. They had a guy like P.J. Tucker making really good stops on Kevin Durant, as much as you can do on a guy like Kevin Durant. And they they pulled it out, and they were resilient. And, you know, it's funny because we put so much attention on Giannis being a poor free-throw shooter, and, you know, you got the crowd chanting 10 seconds, one, two, three. And, of course, everybody in the crowd is chanting super fast. And, the you know, it's like that's not the that's not the cadence and the tempo that you count at in real time. Uh but I think for him, he kept his mental focus there because that's really what free throws are, mental focus. And he pushed through. And even on games where he shot poorly, he would still end up with like 35, and, 35 17, and 6. Like just unreal numbers. Like we don't talk about that enough, but we'd rather focus on his free throw shooting. It's obviously a flaw. I understand that a lot like Ben Simmons, but he's not afraid to shoot them. He takes the contact. He goes after it. And he produces in a lot of other ways. And so you got to give him credit. And uh, Chris Middleton had a couple games. And Drew Holiday hit some big shots in the final moments of Game 7, despite shooting poorly uh, earlier in the game. So I um, thought the Bucks did a great job. But it was just so entertaining, really, to watch Kevin Durant back in the league doing what he does. Yeah, shout-out to Kevin Durant coming off that Achilles injury. And then back-to-back games he played every minute of the game like my goodness that's insane game game six and game seven he did not take a break and i mean you got to give him his props man he's finally stepping into that like like the the role that we all put on him as far as like the all-time greats you know they you know they put the team on their back all that good stuff and like look Mm -hmm. at what lebron's doing lebron will play every minute of the game and kd was like i'm kevin Durant. i don't have to do all that you know right I get my stuff done in the third quarter and I'll have to chill, you know, just chill for the fourth quarter. But this time it was just like, you know what? I'm going to step into that role and be the guy that doesn't sit down. You know, y'all take your break. That's cool. I'm going to be on the floor going at it uh, the, the entire 48 minutes. So shout he out was, to KD. He was so impressive. Man, and if his foot wasn't so big, bro, <laughs> if his dang size 14 foot wasn't so big, this is a whole different story, man. Nobody would have predicted after a game seven that we'd just end up talking about big feet. I know. <laughs> big feet being a problem, bro. Go wear some smaller shoes. Just kidding. Um, but he really did put the team on his back, and I appreciate that. And, of course, we mentioned the injuries, like James Harden coming off the hamstring thing. I mean, he just didn't look the same. I mean, I mean give, give him credit, though, for trying. You know, he could have. Yeah, yeah. He could have done nothing, and you know he could have injured himself even more playing on that bum hamstring. But he gave it a go. So I, you know, I'm a little sensitive towards Harden because I love James Harden, and he used to be on the Rockets for many years. So I was, yeah. 
in a weird way, like rooting for him, but also rooting against him. Like it was just this weird tension, but you know, they'll have a chance next year, of course. Yeah. So, and then Kyrie, like they were just missing their key guys. So this healthy Nets team, I think is like legit going to just run the tables um, next year. And then on, on the Bucks side, you mentioned Drew Holiday, who I was just like in the in the game seven. I was, cause I was watching. I was at a church camp first off. Sorry, Jesus. But like, <laughs> gotta watch game seven. And it was like during like kids like free time or whatever. They would just have pause. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just, you know, sitting down. It's like the it's game, like man. right right in the middle of a Bible study. Wayne steps away. He's like, I got to use the restroom real quick. <laughs> Uh, I'm gone for like 30 minutes. Where are you at? Uh, it was just very difficult, you know, in there. So uh, <laughs> that church camp cafeteria food got to me. Yeah, bro. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were watching game seven and it was just like, man, I was watching it on my phone, just chilling, having a good time. But that game was ridiculous. It was crazy. It had the highs. It had the lows. It had everything you want in a good basketball game. So I'm not mad. I mean, I had, I wanted the Nets to win. But I wasn't mad at the Bucks winning because they really stepped up to the plate. And as much as I hate saying it, like, because I'm not a PJ Tucker like hater, but I'm a PJ Tucker realist. And so, like, when it comes to people like, oh, PJ Tucker's locking down this person, that person, I'm like, y'all, chill out, chill out, calm down. It, I, it ain't even that. I call it a fake tough guy defender. You know, there's certain guys in the league that they have the persona that they're this lockdown defender, but really they just talk a lot of smack and their body movement is just like, you know, super fidgety and they look like they're, you know, giving it all they got. But, mm -hmm. you know, you look at a guy from like P.J. Tucker versus Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is a great defender and he's like a very in control defender that doesn't talk a lot of smack. Like, you know, he's doing his job out there, whereas guys like pj tucker and pat bev it's like yes they're good defensively at times but also at other times they're just like to me just talking trash and we just assume that that comes with defense they just have quick hands correct if you notice when when they're playing defense they always i mean it's a it's a skill but they're, they know when the shot's going up and they get their hand in there real quick as you're going up for the shot yes which then you know, create a turnover or even sometimes a foul, you know, it doesn't matter. But the like, thing is they're, they're the guys that always take a chance. They're the guys that are willing to get six fouls very quickly because they're always putting their hands in there. Yeah. So, I mean, PJ had his moments. Um, I remember game seven, Drew Holiday was like, it, it reminded me of the dude perfect video where it's like the guy who misses every shot, but then makes the game winner. <laughs> Um, yeah. And that was, that was holiday. Cause the dude was like, I don't know. I was counting my, my I was watching he, the game. With my friend Gieve. I think he was like two for 13, you know, up yeah. until the fourth quarter or something, something really, some really poor sh I was shooting. Like, I was like, this dude is like shooting a team to the ground. And then when it mattered the most man pull up from three. And I was like, there's no way it's going in bottom of the net. I was like, Oh snap. And then he just proceeded to keep making shots in the fourth quarter when it mattered. I'm like the first three quarters, you weren't doing this, bro. Where does see, this come from? See, that's yeah. why to me in the playoffs, shooting percentages shouldn't matter as much as they do in the regular season because you're just trying to win the game. Like you, you cannot lose your confidence in the playoffs. You just have to keep shooting because it may come down to the line like that Bucks Nets game did, and Drew Holiday had confidence, and it was the most important shot to you know help 
at least get them to overtime. Yeah. So shout out to the Bucks, man. Made it past them. We're gonna see what happens now. All right. Well, let's see what happens now. We got the conference finals, and you know what? I think this has been some exciting basketball. And I'll say this: you know what's really cool, Wayne, is maybe besides the Clippers, I don't know if you want to consider them a big market team, but all these are small market teams, and I really enjoy that actually. I don't know how that is for like viewership and stuff like that, but just as like a really big basketball fan, I love to kind of see the underdog markets come to the top. Like that's just been enjoyable for me to see. Do you, do you feel the same way about that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm I'm loving these teams. Isn't there a stat where like these four teams that are left haven't like made it this far or won a championship. And I don't know how many since the NBA merger or whatever, the, Mm -hmm. I forgot what the stat was, but yeah, it was, it was something crazy. And I was like, wow. So this is going to be a, a new environment for one of these teams. Okay, so I did the research on something, and I, I'm pretty sure I have this right, but I wanted to test your knowledge on this. I have a trivia question for you. Oh, goodness. Out of all four teams remaining, Hawks, Bucks, Suns, Clippers, there are only three players on all those teams that have ever won a championship on their rosters. And all three of those players are on the Clippers. Can you name all three of the guys that have already won a championship? Kawhi Leonard. Correct. That have already won a championship. Um, Paul George, he didn't. Um, dang. Uh, I'm going to name off. I'm just going to name off the roster. So you got Zubak, Reggie Jackson, Nicholas Batum, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, Marcus Morris, uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Amir Coffey, Serge Ibaka, Patrick Patterson, Patrick Beverly, Daniel, can't pronounce his last name, Rajon Rondo, DeMarcus Cousins, Yogi Ferrell, and Jay Scrub. Rondo. Rondo, that's it. So got Kawhi, Rondo, Kawhi, Rondo. and then one more. Won a championship Dang. with the Raptors, with Ibaka. Kawhi. Yep. Yeah, I was about to say I was I was thinking of Ibaka or Batum. I was like, one of those two had to have won a championship. Isn't that crazy though? The experience in the playoffs right now. There's only three players out of all four teams that have won a championship. Like it shows you how new all these guys are to this. So it's pretty cool to see. Um, but let's start in the Eastern Conference. Let's let's so right now the Hawks versus the Bucks. This series is 1-0 favoring the Hawks. They won that first game. But, Wayne, give me your prediction. Who's going to win, and what's the key to them winning? Okay. So, man, because here's the thing. I really really want the Hawks to win. Like, that's just my my gut feeling is the Hawks are going to pull this out. Why do you want them to win, though? I'm curious. Because I really like the Trey Young embracing that villain role, and I like him really taking this team all the way when, honestly, no one really thought they had a shot at all. Like, we, you know, you made the playoffs cool. You guys are in. That's cool. But seeing the teams they had to face, it was like, no, nah, there's no way they're making it all the way. And to see them actually in the Eastern Conference Finals right now, it's just like, dang, they they might actually have a shot, and they're up one zero on on the Bucks, who were usually the favorites to win the whole thing. So, all right. So, what's the key to the Hawks winning the series? 
And and by the way, and in how many games? Uh, you know what? Okay, I'm gonna say Hawks. I'm gonna say Hawks in seven. Okay. Um, and I think the key is going to be. Well, for me, because I love the way Greg Popovich plays against or coaches against star players, and it's always let the guy go off, but lock down everybody else. And so I think the key for the Hawks is like Giannis is going to go off for 35 points, okay? 35 points, 17 rebounds, six assists, whatever. But as long as we keep everyone around him at bay, then that 35 points only goes so far. What's interesting, so, though, is the Hawks actually have a decent defender inside with Capella to, you know, try to manage Giannis. Like, obviously, yeah. he's going to get his own, but they got a pretty good uh, rim deterrent in him, you know, versus like when they played the Nets, there wasn't a huge force inside to stop Giannis. And now they got Capella in there. Yeah. So I think it's going to be, it's going to come down to, yes, you got to make your shots and all that good stuff obviously, but it's going to come down to either you can try and neutralize Giannis. I mean, we saw it happen when the Raptors went to the, to the finals and they literally like made the the wall to keep Giannis away from the paint. And if he did, it was a charge, you know, get him out of there early. So you could try and do that again, like learn from what the Raptors did to beat him. But um, it's really just going to have to find a way to either neutralize him or just let him do his thing and make sure everybody else is like, they ain't hidden anything. Um, so I think the key for the for the Hawks is, yes, you got to make your shots. Feed Trey Young as much as you can. Let him have fun. I mean, in game one, he was just having fun. Throwing lobs off the backboard to Collins. Shimmying before threes after he just shook Holiday. I mean, he was just having fun. I mean, it's so, not only feed. It's not only feed Trey because Trey really isn't being fed because he's got the ball most of the time. But to me, it's really trey feed others and he does a really good job of that at getting others involved and he's so he he manages to carve the defense so well that mm -hmm. you know gaps and lanes just start opening up to where he can hit the collins or he can hit the herder on the outsider he can have bogdanovich be on the corner three to hit a to hit a shot so um to me if if i were choosing the hawks it would be yes trey young get your own but also get everybody else involved. Like the Hawks in game one, you saw some really key shots from like Gallinari down the stretch. And uh, a guy like Bogdanovich can go off for 25. And Herter can have, you know, the huge game seven that he did against the Sixers where he went off for like 28 points. Like they just ha have, they have this irrational confidence, Wayne. You know, you know what yeah. the irrational confidence I'm talking about, where, where it's like, no yes. matter what, I don't care how much experience I have. I don't care what my percentages were like during the season. I don't care if I was an all-star. I don't care about this, any narrative. They just go out there and just hoop. Like, they mm -hmm. don't care about anything else. And I think that's the thing, honestly, that's working for them right now is they just they just don't care. They're, they're like, I don't yeah. care that you're, you're picking against us. We're just going to go out here and ball. Yep. And that shout out to coaching, too. Big shout out, getting the mindset ready for the for the upcoming match. So, also, I just want to um, make a shout out to this too because I know we have a huge disparity uh, in the league when it comes to African American coaches versus white coaches. Um, in the in the conference finals right now, we have a, a black coach on the Hawks, um, the Suns, 
and the Clippers. And I just think that's uh, super impressive for the culture and really great for the NBA too. Mm-hmm. 75% right now. That's a good field goal percentage. That's right. Yep. So that's uh, – before I forget, I didn't mention their names. That was Monty Williams, uh, Ty Lu, and then uh, – gosh, Nate, McMill- Nate McMillan. And then, of course, we have uh, Coach Bud on the Bucks. Budenholzer. So, but you think Hawks in seven? Yeah, I got Hawks in seven. All right, I'm gonna go Bucks in six. Um, okay. I think they're. I think going off of that game one, they're gonna learn a lot based off what they saw. Because honestly, their defense was horrible. Like you, you mentioned that one shot from Trey where he like stopped on the three after he shook Holiday, and then he just waited there. And Bobby Portis is on the free throw line just watching him and just, like, putting his hand out to him. I'm like, that's not defense. Are you trying to, like, cast a spell on him or something? Because you're just <laughs> you're just reaching your hand out. He's still 10 feet away. You know, close out on him. And I understand closing out on a guy like Trey, he can get around you quickly. But, like, those kind of plays feed that irrational confidence that I was just talking about. So I think they're going to learn from this, and they're just going to have a little bit more – effort on the Hawks and I think ultimately their defensive uh length from Holiday to uh Tucker to Giannis to Brooke Lopez in the paint um is gonna is gonna be the factor that's gonna push them over the hump I think they're I think that they'll end up winning the next three Wayne okay Mm -hmm. and then the Hawks will win game five and then the Bucks will win game six. So I think we okay. got Bucks won in the next three, Hawks won a game, and then uh, the Bucks are going to close it out. But I, in a weird way, it's like, yes, I agree with you. I like seeing the underdog succeed, but at the same time, I want to see the Bucks succeed because they've been through so much too, and I love, I love Giannis. Like, there are aspects of his game that I don't love, obviously, but as a as a person too, like genuinely, just seems like a good dude that you'd want to see succeed. Um, so I'm I'm kind of rooting for the Bucks right now. Um, so I'm gonna say Bucks and six. All right. Any rebuttals to that? No, that's a that's a solid pick. I mean, you you do feel bad for Giannis. I mean, he's been here countless times and he just can't get over the hump. So of course, I'm just like, man, Giannis, I really want to see you get up there and finally, you know compete at the highest level like just get up there and win a ring bro um but right. bro, i just love i love 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 watching trey young he's fun to watch man i i can't even lie i mean honestly let's let's be real if either of these teams move on i feel like you can take a win from both of them oh for sure yeah i mean i wouldn't be mad if the bucks won kind of feels but... like the hawks are this year are this year's heat from last year yeah. Where nobody saw them and they just ended up going to the finals. You know what I mean? So, yeah. by the way, I, I want to mention this before we move on to Suns versus Clippers. One thing that is favoring every team in this playoffs is the fact that there are so many injuries. Think about how many injuries we've had from the Lakers in the first round with Anthony Davis. And then you've had uh, Chris Paul out with the COVID protocol and the bum shoulder in the first round. And you've had Devin Booker with the broken nose. And you've had Kawhi with the the ACL. Um, Donovan Mitchell with the ankle. Um, and then James Harden, hamstring. Kyrie Irving, ankle. There's been so many 
injuries to star players in these playoffs. And I would hate for anybody to use that as an excuse to whoever wins the championship, but I definitely do feel like it's, uh, you know, playing a huge part into the success of some of these other teams. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, looking at the the Bucks and Nets games, with the healthy Kyrie and healthy Harden all series, we might be looking at a different team in the conference championships. Um, not taking anything away from the Bucks, but it's just, you know, we've seen what Harden and Kyrie bring to the, like a full healthy Harden Kyrie, what they bring to that Nets team. And it's just like, man, if, if things were different, we might be looking at a different Eastern Conference or um, on the Western side of things, you know, Donovan Mitchell, if he's healthy for all the games, you know, it could be different. Um, but, you know, who knows? It is what it is. Injuries are just a part of the game and you just have to deal with them. So uh, you always hope for fully. Uh, oh, you know, another one I didn't mention, Jamal Murray uh, was oh, out yeah. this playoffs, you know. So but anyways, um, just wanted to make some mention of that, too. Let's let's end today with the Suns versus Clippers predictions. Um, I think this one's going to be a fun one, too, even though the Clippers are without Kawhi. I there is maybe the like slim possibility that he might come back um, because again, they've given no indication that he's out for the season. And he was even at last night's game sitting in the stands. Um, but I still think the Clippers have a really good chance, even with him out, like they just play together much like the Suns do. I mean, both of these teams, like I would say all four of the teams in the playoffs, like they just play together really well. Um, but I'm going to say for this, oh, this is such a hard prediction, honestly, dude. Like, this yeah, is man. really hard because a part of me wants to say Clippers after last night because the Suns are up 2-1, but the Clippers won last night, which was huge for them. It's it's like anytime the Clippers are down 2-0, it's like, okay, we can just count on them, like, that not being a problem because mm-hmm. they've done that the last two series. Well, adjustments. Yeah, but um, I'm going to say... Suns and seven. Here's why. Chris Paul came back last night and he probably was missing a lot of his conditioning uh, based off being out for so long. Now, I don't know if he, I don't know if it was ever confirmed. I think he did test positive for COVID. Is that right? Or was it just COVID protocol? I think he tested positive, but he was also vaccinated. So okay. I, I think it was like he got vaccinated and then maybe the symptoms. I don't, I don't know. So but, my, my point being, we don't know if he had symptoms or not. Uh, and like we've seen with guys like Jason Tatum and Drew Holiday during the season, they had symptoms pretty hardcore and their conditioning took a while to get back. So I do think give Chris Paul a couple more games and I think he'll start to get back to that Chris or, or sorry, that peak Chris Paul, and I think honestly that's what's going to push them over the clips. I think a lot hinges on how Booker handles playing with a mask too, but because that is a challenge in itself. Like if you've never done that before, like I don't know if your peripherals are off or like how you see the basket is anymore. But he didn't do great last night. I think he was like five for twenty-one in the game. Uh, so he's going to have to get used to that. But I do think they're going to make the adjustments. But it's going to be – I'm not going to be surprised either way, but I'm going to choose Suns uh, closing it out at home in Phoenix in seven games. Who you got? So I got the same thing, but I got Suns in six. 
Okay. Um, and so, so you're gonna a, you think they're gonna close it out in L.A. Yeah, and the thing is, I have Suns and Six, but if Kawhi comes back for whatever reason, I don't know. I don't think he will. But let's just say the the injury isn't as serious as we believed, and they're like, oh, he's gonna play. I got Suns and Seven. Um, I say he comes back, gives him an extra game, but the Suns still end it. Yeah, because he'd probably not be his normal self anyways. Yeah. So I got the Suns winning either way, but with Kawhi coming back, I give him an extra game. Uh, And, I mean, give Chris Paul some time to get back into that flow of, like, you know, State Farm Chris Paul. State Farm Chris Paul. (laughs) And it's over. He's got the power of Cliff Paul. You know, he's he's chilling, bro. So give him some time. Let him come back. Get his – get his lungs back, um, and we're looking at a whole different series. So. I love it. So you have what would be Hawks versus Suns in the finals, and I have Bucks versus Suns in the finals. Honestly, yes. like, think back to the first day of the season. I don't think either of us would have said this was going to be the championship. No, so we're, no. we are not going to make our predictions for that because obviously we want to see what comes of it, much of like we've been doing for our – past podcast just making predictions and then talking about it um as the the series start to move on so that's going to conclude our episode for today please make sure to send this episode to a friend um to give us a five-star rating on apple podcast but ultimately we just appreciate you if you're tuning in and listening appreciate that support and Wizzy wayne you know what we do at the end of episodes what is some words of advice that you'd like to give to the listeners that are tuning in today. You know what? I got, I got some good words today. Um, number, this is, this is going to be, this is a newfound wisdom that Ooh, I just, that I on. just learned. Come yeah, on. Let me give it to you. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I, I dabble in the art of, of coffee. Okay. Yes. And if there's one thing that I know, okay. If there's one thing that I know is that, some of the best coffee is made at home. Okay. Mm. You can go to Starbucks. Yeah, that's cool. You know, go to your Dunkin' Donuts. But some of the best coffee is made at home. Right. So to all the people who are listening, watching, whatever, go out and get yourself a Keurig machine. Mm. Okay. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why you need to get a Keurig machine. Not only because it's Keurig. Okay, cool, whatever, the name brand, all that good stuff. But the quality of coffee that you get. I mean, you you see me sipping on this coffee right here. You see me. I'm like, I don't I don't do this, okay? But the Keurig machine has changed my life in a matter of like three days. Mm. I've been in there on my on my Starbucks barista type stuff, you know? Yes. I'd be in there, you know, whipping it up in the kitchen, but I ain't cooking no food, you know what I'm saying? I'm in there making a the coffee. All right, so Wayne, my words so this... of wisdom is is get yourself some coffee, man. Add some milk, some sugar, whatever, some cream. Okay, that's what I was about to ask you. Are you just going black coffee or are you adding some stuff in there? Oh, you got to get that milk in there, bro. I don't care. 2% whole, whatever you like, put it in there. Almond milk, do what you got to do. So I'm Make going all, I'm going all black every single day. All black? All black. All right. You like your coffee like you like your friends. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I'll leave you guys with this. There's three kinds of ways we make our eggs. Scrambled eggs, fried eggs, and cure eggs. Have a great day, y'all.